1: Hello, oh, and welcome to SciShow Tangents, the frightly competitive science knowledge scream case. I'm your ghost, Hank Gangrene, and joining me this week, as always, is mad scientist Scary Riley. Creak! And our resident every wolf, ma'am, Sam Skulls.
2: Grr.
1: The old calendar on the wall says It's Halloween time And as you know, we here at SciShow Tangents Love getting into the Halloween spirit So this year is no different October is trick-or-treat month And Sam and Sari have invited some ghoulish guests Over to Tangents Manor to join us In fact, I hear one of them Approaching the door now Trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Jackson Bird, it's YouTuber, author, and host of the podcast
3: Cool Stuff Ride Home. Thank you for having me. Hi everyone, excited I feel to be like it's, on. It's on been, been literally
1: literal years since we hung out.
3: Literal years, which to be fair, is kind of yeah. most yeah, people true. In my life true of in a It's been
1: literal years yeah. since a lot yeah. of people hung out. Yeah. <laughs> what is everybody's favorite thing to get? Trick or treating. I have a child, so I still get to get some candy when it's, it's trick-or-treaty time because he has to pay taxes.
2: Oh,
0: <laughs> does he get his cast-offs as well? He, he, he tithes has. to the, to the yeah, green yeah, <laughs> family. Yeah, I yeah. do
1: also get the, the cast-offs, but they're not necessarily the best. Also, maybe now, but in previous years, he definitely had no idea of like day-to-day what was left. Of what no, he had, sure. he wasn't like I mm. counted and I had eight Snickers. No, yeah, weak no. object permanence.
3: Yes, exactly. yeah, those, those days <laughs> are going to be limited. Uh-huh. <laughs> do we have a, Do we have any favorites? I do like a Three Musketeers.
1: I like a Three Musketeers. Yeah.
3: I think it's underrated,
1: mm-hmm. and I feel like mm-hmm. it's a
3: good like trick or treat Halloween one, like the little snack size. You know, that's like mm-hmm. perfect bite of it.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Like if I want a whole candy bar, I kinda want a Snickers, but a little one I could do it with three musketeers and I yeah. be very happy.
2: When you're a kid, you're like, oh, fun size, what a rip-off. Then when you're then like you're slowly are like, Oh, I can afford my own candy bars. But then now that we're grown ups, fun size is about all I can handle of any candy bar, really. <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: yeah. I like yeah, I I need a fun size Coke. Uh I can't I <laughs> can't, can't take into a full coca pool. I feel very <laughs> yeah.
2: uncomfortable. Even the little cans of the little kinda. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. kinda just want one <laughs> sip. Sarah, do you have a favorite?
0: I always was really excited for a crunch bar. I think I never got them very often, mm. but a little crisp rice yeah. and a little chocolate. It was just always so satisfying. Yeah.
3: Do you ever mm-hmm. have those, like, knockoff crunch bars that are shaped like Halloween characters with the foil around them? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think I still love them, too. Just, like... The- I I think I really liked Rice Krispies, which is the the (laughs) core of this. I would love a bowl of Rice Krispies for Halloween, but (laughs) with some Mm. chocolate in there. But
2: they're not giving that out. So you have to do with what you got. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a ride or die Reese's peanut butter cup guy you can't get i mean that. that's a boring take but i get it all the different <laughs> sh- like all the different sizes too are just like delightful in their own way now. the tiny yeah. ones have a great ratio the middle ones have a great ratio the huge ones yeah. and it's all different uh, you know what i don't think that the ratio on the eggs is good
1: no, no. i love I the eggs yeah there's there's not enough chocolate in the eggs the egg slash pumpkin like does the pumpkin have a better yeah. ratio pumpkin or is, is it the, the same way? way no it's the same yeah. way it's too 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 much peanut butter
3: I have a pumpkin one in my refrigerator.
1: It also seems like maybe pumpkin things just sort of meander into your home. Yeah, it's, the sort uh, of it's feeling I'm true. getting.
3: <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> a big theme in my life.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I I I agree with all of you, but I want to pick one that's from the other category of candy. There's chocolate, yeah. then there's sugar. Just sugar <laughs> things. And the sugar thing that I loved growing up that I don't ever get anymore is the bottle caps that taste like root oh, beer and mm, grape those soda. Are so those are so, those were yes. my jam. I don't even know where to get those. Mm. I can get, you can get them right now. You can get a big box. You could subscribe to them on Amazon, which <laughs> I want to talk to every single person. <laughs> subscribed to Candy Bottle Caps on Amazon. Give me that (laughs) list. Jeff Bezos, I want to make a podcast. All I do is I interview those people. (laughs) They're going to be weird. I don't know anything about them, but I'm confident that they're going to be strange.
3: I would listen to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here on SciShow Tangents, every week we get together to try to unnerve and disgust and horrify each other with science facts. While also trying to stay on topic, our panelists are playing for Gory and for Candy, which we will be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of us will be crowned the King of Halloween. And if the guest is the treat of Trick or Treat month, here's the trick our regular panel will take turns presenting games this month, and I will be playing along. Now, as always, we introduce
3: this week's topic with the traditional science poem this week from Jackson. Pumpkin, pumpkin, you are to me the greatest gourd that could ever be. Though gourd is not your whole story. In truth, you're a squash and botanically a berry. Whatever your classification, my love will never render. I do not judge based on gender. But pumpkin, pumpkin, with shells so round and bright pulpy guts, your wonders abound. Whether spiced, pied, or jack-o'-lantern, your costumes bewitch us as the leaves begin to turn. From towering cucurbita maxima to tiny baby boo, Oh glorious pumpkin, I love you. <laughs>
1: it's just a it's just a like a Shakespearean sonnet. Well I don't know how sonnets work. For poems. <laughs> for pumpkin. For pumpkins. <laughs> for
3: pumpkins. <laughs> Yeah, th- thank you. I, after I wrote that, I was like, oh, I, uh, I, I might need to reevaluate my life priorities of my, <laughs> my love affair with pumpkins. <laughs> Absolutely not. We're approaching the age in our, in our lives where we need to
1: pick something and be like obsessed <laughs> yeah. with it for the rest of the time.
3: What are you picking? I think signs. Signs? <laughs> like, like road signs?
1: Like road signs. And Any old signs. Stuff.
3: Yeah. Do have, yeah. Are um, you are you like the sort of like moms who buy all the signs for inside no, like the no, hand-painted no, glow? No, no. no,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> a sign that was made Yeah.
3: It's
1: a sign that was made <laughs> yeah. to try and get people in the world to understand things. And I think that there are so many great uh, examples and so many terrible examples. Like one of my favorites of the genre is Yard Sard. Uh, which Mm -hmm. is a sort of a category of yard sale sign that doesn't say yard sale. Like they got confused halfway through one of the words. And so you got Yale sale and yard sard and you got uh, just y'all sale. I saw one that said once I said yard yard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they got really mixed up. Yeah. Sorry. I was the topic for the day is gourds. (laughs) So, so Sari, we got a little confused by Jackson's poem. What is a gourd? One of the words that I didn't hear was peepo. Okay. Which
2: I, I believe okay.
1: that gourds are pepos, which is one of my
2: favorite words in the English language. Before you logged on, Sarah was like, Hank's going to talk about peepos. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh-huh. That sounds right.
0: Yeah. So, okay, we'll get to peepo. I'll, tra- I'll trace through the lineage of gourds yeah. to get to peepo. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so, the, the gourd family... Of cucurbits, also known as oh, nice. uh, gourds or cucurbits, are mm-hmm. the cucurbitaceae or cucurbitaceae, mm-hmm. which includes lots of different genera, including cucurbita, and part of that is cucurbita pepo, which is particular kinds of winter squash, pumpkin, and summer squash. And so, mm. the pepo mm. is the fruit of those those specific. Plants. Those specific gourds are peepos. Um, and those are one cell, many seeded berries. That's the kind of fruit they are, as Jackson's poem said. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a hard rind. And it's like the quintessential fruit of the gourd family. But there are also other gourds, like watermelons are gourds. Technically, cucumbers are gourds. Mm-hmm. Bittermelons are gourds. But those are, you don't see those on our doorsteps on Halloween. They're less too bad. iconic, but the, they're not the platonic ideal of pumpkin. I'm curious what everyone else's favorite gourd is. Butternut squash. Mm. Hmm. That's a good one.
2: I guess watermelon. If watermelon counts, I think watermelon.
1: Watermelon's very good.
3: Butternut uh, squash, as as famously seen in the hit YouTube series Potter Puppet Pals, playing the role <laughs> of Neville Longbottom. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Did you ever waffle a butternut squash or any kind of squash?
3: I have not waffled a yeah. butternut squash on my, my YouTube show, Will It Waffle? No. However, I have carved or attempted to carve a butternut squash with the Potter Puppet Pals for like in, in some Instagram content one year, but it uh, uh-huh. it was very difficult. It didn't work out so well.
1: Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I think you need like a very sh- like some specialized tools for that. It's possible we, we did not but it's have. also <laughs> it's also possible to like drill miles into the earth, so <laughs> yeah, it depends on what tools you have access
0: <laughs> Um I have a couple fun facts about the etymology of various oh, gourds
1: of various okay gourd. Various... I think I got watermelon. I know where that one came from mm.
0: watermelon. I'm skipping a couple of them so. <laughs> Cucumber has a mysterious origin. Uh, we're not entirely sure, but it, I, I think it came from Latin cu- uh, and generally is like the root word for any sort of gourd, which is why all the, um, all the genus and family names are based off of it. But for a brief period of time in Middle English, they were called cowcumbers. And the pronunciation cowcumber was standard instead of cucumber huh. because you didn't want them. They were just in the in the freaking cow field. They're those old oh. cowcumbers.
1: <laughs> Dude, this is like 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 that part of the season where you're like, what am I gonna do with all of these?
0: Yes, they were only fit for animal fodder. You gave give them to the cows, eat these crunchy, watery gourds that aren't sweet and can be made into pies and things like that.
2: What changed? We just liked we liked snacking more later and in I, our life i lives, bet we made it taste in. better yeah i bet somebody oh yeah came probably along and brought a better cucumber they will probably
1: brought a better cucumber say that like,
3: <laughs> <five times>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: the other ones that i have squash uh this is our first one that i can trace back to like a native american word which is exciting in all these hmm. episodes it's from the uh narragansett uh, Algonquian word, a ascuta squash, which means uh, things that may be eaten raw or uncooked. And then we just were like, ah, yes, squash. <laughs> <laughs> so they were, they were very, probably describing very much detail of like, oh ah, yes, you can eat these squash, like uncooked or cooked. And then they were like, and then the white people went up and were, we're like, like, ah, squash. squash. I,
2: you. <laughs> squash.
0: <laughs> I get that.
3: <laughs> As do. I think there's something with um, the etymology Or at least like at various points, so much with like the pumpkins and the squash and stuff, there's like very confusing um, etymology with it in part because like they are actually indigenous to the American continents. Mm -hmm. And so then when like the colonizers came over, they had never seen pumpkins before, which granted did look very different, uh, you know, several hundred years ago, but Mm -hmm. they kept thinking they were types of melons. And so I think at some point there was like weird hints of melon language in the pumpkin language. Huh. I know they called them ah. like Pompeyons for a while. Mm. They're pumpy they're Melons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that means that it's time to move on to the quiz portion of our show where Sari is going to kick it off with it.
0: So the premise of truth or fail, I don't have it written in front of me, but I'm going to give you three stories. Specifically, three relationships between gourds and animals, but only one of them is true. If you guess it right, you get the point. If you get it wrong, I get the point. The candy, I guess. Um, Sure. (laughs) And here they are. Number one. (laughs) Most squash plants are pollinated by just a few specialized bees. The squash bees time their mating with the flowers blooming, and while they're tumbling around in there, the relatively big, spiny pollen grains cling on to their extra fluffy leg hairs. Plus, while generalist species of bees seem to get lightly poisoned by squash pollen and or Hmm. can't digest the nutrients as well, squash bees and larvae are just fine. Or is it number two? Besides being a crunchy source of water, field mice sometimes chew out a chamber in field cucumbers, also known as slicing cucumbers, to avoid the heat. Because of the cucumber's thick skin and the plant's big leaves, this hidey hole can be up to 20 degrees Fahrenheit, cooler than the air temperature, letting the mice hunker down for the day and move on at night to scatter seeds in their poop. Or is it number three? Most male crickets use stridulation to woo their mates, which is rubbing specialized organs on their wings together to make that chirping sound. But there is a species of cricket in China that instead thumps its wings against the thick, smooth skin of the bottle gourd, also known Mm. as the calabash, to make a fluttering or rustling sound and stand out from the chorus of other insects. So, is it number one, squash bees and poison pollen? Number two, field mice and cool cucumbers. Or number three, crickets and bottle gourd instruments.
1: Those all seem totally plausible to me. Oh, I think they Uh, all seem
3: ridiculous. No, no. (laughs) I think think they all seem like they could be slightly wrong.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's a little bit wrong. made a mistake. (laughs) I like the idea
1: that 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 these cowcumbers, sometimes a cow would eat it and it'd be a cucumber and sometimes a cow would eat it and it would be a cucumber mouse burrito.
2: Oh no!
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just get a little extra protein in there. Oh, uh, but I love. I think it's a very cute idea to have field mice hiding from the heat inside of a cucumber, and that's why they call it cool as a cucumber. Oh,
3: that's- okay. Well, that might oh, okay. convince me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was wondering with that one if like it wouldn't be maybe like this is true, but it's a bigger gourd that yeah. it happens with. I will say for the first one, I I have grown pumpkins and squash before, um, and the different types of bees is not something I ever came across, but you know, maybe I just didn't do, do my research on it. So th- this could be learning a new good thing to know, but yeah, yeah it's not something that I, I noticed or read about while growing yeah. pumpkins and other squash.
2: My wife yeah. grows lots of squashes and stuff, and I feel like all kinds of bees are getting in there. I don't think there's just yeah. one type of bee. Getting in there, yeah. And then the last one, I'm always skeptical that bugs are smart enough to do anything. But <laughs> <laughs> could they do this? Yeah, they'll
1: have to be. That have to be a really old relationship. Yeah, for, for bugs to get, for crickets to get good at whapping. But I'm gonna go with that one. I like the oh. idea. A loud little bug. The problem with that, I'm not talking myself out of it now. The problem with that is that, like, <laughs> how often is this gourd dried on the tree? Like. It, when it's growing, it can't be loud and hard. It's got to be. Yeah. And then eventually it would get loud and hard. Because I know that a lot of people use gourds as musical instruments.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I'm,
1: but I'm still going with it. I said it, so I'm stuck. Okay.
3: I, I was I was kind of leaning towards the the cricket one. Um, oh, gosh. What was the second one? It completely left my brain. The, the mouse, the, the mice. mice that live in cucumber Oh, uh, yeah. Mice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah even though i said i think that it might be a bigger gourd i think i might still go with that one because um, i i think i can kind of see that that happening and because also what hank just said about like for the cricket one like you you have to like time that so well but for this one it could be like an abandoned cucumber that fell off a while ago like there's a longer period mm-hmm. of time with which yeah. this could happen so maybe i'll i'm
2: gonna go with number two. Uh I th- I think I'm making a big mistake, but I think I'm gonna go with the cricket one as well. What do well, we got?
0: I get all the candy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's the be. <bees. laughs> it's the bees. Yeah. It's no, the oh, man. that seemed,
1: uh, did not seem like it's, it to me. It's
0: very weird. Um. Yeah. I was so really
1: on board with uh, this I'll cricket talk, you made up.
0: I well <laughs> I, yeah I can talk about my lies first. So the cricket one. I just made up the thumping because I thought that'd be a little cute. That would be cute, little <laughs> playing the the squash drum. Yeah. But it the the grain of truth in it is that in China, um, crickets, the, like the songs of crickets, the chirping of crickets was, was, and I think to some degree is seen as like very cute, very good, uh, mm-hmm. decorative, um, almost like music, and they would grow special shaped calabash gourds, bottle gourds that were in clay molds or bound with ropes and then dry them out and carve really intricate designs to make little cricket houses over the winter. And then they would make little beds Ah. for their crickets and cleanse them out with hot tea. And that way their their cricket pals could sit inside the gourd and chirp and then it would echo and make a louder sound. And so you can find these like decorative Chinese cricket gourds in museums, and they're very mm. cool looking. They're amazing, so cool. just for a little- That's a little really cool. Great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. The cucumber mice one, so the, the, the seed of the lie was cool as a cucumber because I found this factoid that was passed around the internet. So many people say, according to a study in 1970, the inside of a cucumber can be 20 degrees cooler than the outside air. I dug into this. There there's a CDC pamphlet that says it. So many blogs say it. The only thing I could find oh, wow. was a 1970 study called Oxidative Activity of Mitochondria Isolated from Plant <laughs> Tissues Sensitive and Resistant to Chilling Injury. So that's like temperature and uh and plants. And I can't find anything about these plants being like cooler than that. On the inside than the outside. And maybe it's folk wisdom. Like if you bite into a cucumber, it feels cooling and refreshing because of the water.
2: Yeah, I guess my question is who who cares if they're cooler inside? I don't
0: know. (laughs) They just like... Love it as a fact. People are like, you know what? Cucumbers aren't very interesting. But, but one cool thing about them is that they're so cool on the inside.
1: CDC can't shut up about it. Yeah. he needs everybody to know about the, the chili inside of a cucumber. If yeah. you ever are very hot, just cut one open.
0: Eat healthy. Your, Cold uh, cucumber. Your,
2: your finger. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> you <laughs> stick your finger in I a cucumber. A little cucumber just on, yeah. on your finger. Put
1: one on every finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, refreshing.
3: <laughs> Edward cucumber hands. <laughs> yeah. Blah, 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 blah.
0: <laughs> so the real one is squash bees, which I had never heard about either, which is why I thought it was so surprising. Um Yeah so other bees so honeybees bumblebees can go to squash flowers but there's this paper published and it was also pretty recent in february 2020 about how the pollen defenses of cucurbits in in the flowers both physical and chemical so the fact that they're huge pollen grains and that there are weird plant metabolites in there impact the like survival of generalist bees they created microcolonies of these bees and fed them cucurbit pollen and more larvae died and they had more like melanized skin patches, which is like a defense response, an immune response to them. But for the squash bees specifically, there are a couple different genus, but one of them is Eusera uh Purinosa. Purinosa are just fine. They they Hmm. seem to change Hmm. they they seem to have co-evolved with squash specifically. They don't pollinate any other plants, um, and they are both resistant to whatever toxins are in the squash pollen, and uh, are, are like structured physically to be able to collect the grains. And to I'm Hanks I'm so
1: confused.
0: What? what yes. Reasoning. Why do that? that yeah, Why like do a lot that? Of extra work. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think part of it is evolution is weird and the but the second part of it like the if we want to apply reasoning to it it's that generalist pollinators go to so many different plants uh and squash plants like any plant need to be pollinated by other flowers of the same plant um and so by evolving with co-evolving with a specialist bee there is this bee that will almost entirely go from uh male or female squash flowers and hop around and so you're you're not going to get squash pollen let off in an apple tree where it's not doing anything but instead the pollen will always make it to mm. another squash right. plant to be able mm. to hybridize to be able that to is why they do it, make more seeds so that you
1: don't waste pollen on a bunch of just pollinators going willy-nilly i i need to learn more about botany it's there's a lot there plants are feel- cool I feel I I also I need some. We just did an episode of SciShow on lion's mane mushrooms and how they're good for your brain. I definitely need something that's good (laughs) for my brain. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I definitely need help. Let's go to the commercial break (laughs) before I cause a problem. Uh, And when we're going to take that break, and then then it'll be time for another game. All right. See you later. (laughs)
0: Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S.
2: SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as a... (laughs) The internet science man was opening an online store, something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you would do in a billion years.
1: I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man.
2: Oh, what? was the first thing I did, I was that first. Wow. I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go
1: for you? (laughs) Good. Here's what I'll tell you. Like the, 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 the part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And, uh, when it's just like, you uh by yourself you gotta be careful but luckily (laughs) shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that to help you with increasing conversions to help you with managing orders with customer support with all of the stuff uh because it's a you know i don't know it feels like the industry standard and so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your shopify work for you in particular
2: That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall.
1: Now, it was my basement. It was my basement.
2: (laughs)
0: Okay, we're
1: back, everybody. Uh, Sari has three points because she wow. successfully confused us with squash pollinators. And, and now it's time for game number two. And it's me with an episode of This or That. So gourds as you have experienced in your life, can be great for eating, but they have plenty of uses outside of being digested. And while we may not be able to turn pumpkins into carriages, humans have been finding many creative uses for different types of gourds, which we've talked about some already. And that means that they've popped up throughout history and in archaeological findings in surprising places. So we're going to be playing this or that gourd edition. I'm going to describe two archaeological finds for you. And you have to guess which one involves a gourd. Are you ready? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Round number one. One of the handy things about gourds is that they are easy to carve up into useful accessories or toys. Which one of the following was carved out of a dried gourd? A 16th century miniature Japanese sculpture used to hold medicine or a set of 6th century Viking board
2: game pieces. You said toys. So like prominently, I'm going to guess the board game pieces. Board games are not a toy. Just Sam.
0: What are they? <laughs> what else would be vents on your face? <laughs> are there a sophisticated mechanism for exploring strategy and puzzle solving techniques, Sam? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they'd be too big. We didn't invent giant Jenga until recently, so I'm gonna go with the medicine bottle.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the medicine bottle
1: as well. That's a point for Sari and a point for Jackson. Because it was the miniature Japanese sculpture. why do you emphasize toy so hard? Hey, I did what I did. So in the 16th century, Japanese men would carry around little pockets that hung from a sash. And on the other side of the pocket would be a miniature sculpture called a netsuke that acted as a counterweight to keep the pocket in place. They were often decorative carvings made from a variety of materials, including... Dried gourds. But there were Viking board game pieces made from whalebone, and they have helped archaeologists potentially date Viking whaling back to the, at least the sixth century CE, which sounds challenging to be a sixth century whaler. I'm glad that yeah. that's not my job. The usefulness of gourds also extends back beyond the living, and various gourd-derived items have been uncovered at burial sites. Which of the following items found at a burial site was made from a gourd? Was it number one, a Bronze Age flute found in the grave of an adult male near Stonehenge, or two, a 4,000-year-old carving of an Andean god? I'm not going to get any points this episode. Luke, well, I'm definitely not cuz I can't, literally can't. So yeah, you I'm ending it zero. You didn't
2: write your game good, Hank.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so was the the car like the the god was carved into the gourd? Yes.
0: I'm going to guess mm. the the god carving because Jackson said the gourds were part of like native to the Americas and so
3: well, that was specifically pumpkins. I'm, I will um, not go on record claiming that for all gourds.
0: <laughs> okay, well.
3: Which is what has been tripping me up as well with this yes. game. I keep being like, oh, oh, no.
0: A pumpkin oh. fact. <laughs> that's
2: what happens, when, that's what happens yeah. when you have too much logic in your head.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to go with it anyway.
2: I think I'm going to go with the flute. because You're going to the flute? I think so. I can see, you know, guy from back then playing a little ocarina. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm going to go with the uh, the
3: the carving as well, the sculpture.
1: Sam, another swing and another miss it's in brutal. 2003. <laughs> oh, no. Archaeologists <laughs> announced that they had uncovered a carving of a god with fangs holding onto both a staff and a snake edged onto a softball-sized oh. gourd. What the hell? They heck? were able to date the gourd to around 2500 BCE using radiocarbon dating, making it the oldest carving of the uh, staff god found up until that point. The gourd... Was likely a funeral offering, and its discovery helped archaeologists piece together a timeline of organized religion in South America. The, the flute, by the way, was carved out of a human thigh bone.
2: Oh, oh. Well, that's <laughs> pretty cool, too. <laughs> that's, that,
3: that's different very, than a gourd. Very, <laughs> yeah, very spooky.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Round number three container gourds. 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 As we've seen, gourds have been used as storage devices for for many things. Which of the following was uncovered in a dried out gourd? A sample of the world's oldest cheese discovered in a 3,300-year-old ancient Egyptian tomb or an 18th century handkerchief thought to have been dipped in the blood of the executed King Louis the uh, 16th. (laughs) I had to do some... Roman numeral translation.
0: There, I was going to be like, one of these is going to make way more sense than the other. Neither of them; they're both bad. Why is,
1: yeah. is it the oldest cheese or a bloody
3: handkerchief?
0: Okay, if you had know. a gourd, <laughs> what would you hide in there?
3: Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go with King Louis. Just, mm. just cause.
0: I think I would rather store a handkerchief in a gourd than cheese. Also, so I'm going to stick with it. I like. I would stuff it there. Uh oh, I've got blood.
2: No one suspects the gourd. Yeah. That one's so specific. I think I got to go with, I mean, either it's a devious Mm. trick. seems too specific though. I'm going to go with the, with the blood soaked handkerchief as well. You,
1: yeah, you gotta, you also, after all this, you got to go with these two because they seem to know what they're talking about. And they are (laughs) indeed right. When King Louis was executed in France in 1793, a lot of people showed up to watch. And then after he had been executed, They dipped their handkerchief in the king's blood for a little souvenir. More recently, an Italian family found a handkerchief stored within a dried squash that had faces of revolutionaries carved into it, as well as an inscription that said on January 21st, Maximilian Bordelieu, not going to even try, dipped his handkerchief in the blood of Louis XVI after his decapitation. However, figuring out whether the handkerchief was actually dipped in Louis XVI's blood has been difficult because we don't have a lot of uh, family DNA history to compare it to. At first, scientists thought that it was his blood because the DNA indicated a man with blue eyes and he Hmm. had blue eyes and it seemed to match the DNA from mummified head of one of his ancestors. But other work done around the same time has found that the genes didn't support the claims supporting to a northern Italian ancestry in the blood claiming a much lower probability that the blood came from someone with blue eyes. I, I'm, I'm mixed here. I don't think that we know enough. One of the things that it, like when you're like, can we trace a direct line of lineage from this person to this person who this, and I'm like, people get up to all kinds of business. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't know what they got up to. Like there probably were a, a fair number of
2: secrets being kept in yeah. that sort of situation. It's pretty easy to dip something in blood, though, and lie about it also.
1: That's also true. That's also true. So the last articles we found were were from uh, 2014. Uh, Not really, didn't seem like any conclusion had been reached, but we've had quite a bit of time to continue looking into it. I don't know what we've been so distracted by since 2014.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think this should really be top of our priorities right now, (laughs) frankly.
1: (laughs) Uh, The cheese was found in clay pots in the tomb of Tom, Tom, Thomas, Tommy's. Um, So uh, an actual situation, researchers took a sample of the cheese back to the lab to confirm the presence of milk proteins. They also found proteins associated with a highly contagious bacterial infection.
0: I'm Ah. glad they did I was going to ask if they ate it, it. but. I'm no, glad they didn't eat it. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing that that's not the
3: first thing that archaeologists try, you know, is yeah. just eating anything they find. Yeah, that's what I would do. To.
2: That's why I'm not an archaeologist. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they do, though. Sometimes they yeah, do. Sometimes, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sari has six. And if we add up everybody, we would beat her. But <laughs> no other <laughs> oh, way.
2: Oh,
0: no. I'm sorry. My oh. torf is too
1: hard with my bees. Uh, No, I'm sorry. If we added up everybody, we would tie. Yeah. I guess I got two points out of that because Sam.
2: Yeah, let's say you got two points out of that one. There you go. I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Now it's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we've got a listener question for our finely honed couch of our couch of finely honed scientific minds. (laughs) The couch is not finely honed. The couch is just a normal couch. Imagine it in your brain.
2: At the giant cloud on Twitter asks, I've seen multiple videos recently about accidental cross pollination of cantaloupes creating hybrids such as a cucumber cantaloupe hybrid. Can you explain this sort of phenomenon?
1: I don't. Is that real? Is that I, I don't know if that's real. If it's real, look, they're close enough related that the that the genes did the gene thing. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen a, a Corgi Rottweiler mix? Because mm.
3: wow, <laughs> I do feel like the cantaloupe cucumber hybrid is like one of the most boring hybrids you could do. Of like, let's take a really boring, tasteless vegetable and mix it with a really boring, tasteless. But what melon. about what yeah.
1: Jackson? Does this change your mind?
3: Cantaloupe yumber. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one hundred percent changes. <laughs> they are two of the funnier words, so maybe someone knew what they were doing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tragically, there is no cantaloupe cucumbers no. or oh, uh, it's fake cu- Cucamelons <laughs> or any sort of melons because they're different um, different genuses. So okay. you can't. You gotta, you gotta be in the same genus, I think, as far as as far as I can tell yeah. for plant cross pollination. I'm also not a botanist, but that mm-hmm. is seems to be the, the summary of my research. So, um, for example, Cucurbita pepo contains things like zucchini, acorn squash, spaghetti squash, delicata squash, pumpkins, um, and so you could have like a a pumpkini <laughs> or an egg. Ac- <laughs> ah, uh, well, that's fun or- too. Yes uh I don't know, del- uh delicate delicate corn? Uh you can you can crossbreed those because mm-hmm. they are similar enough genetically. I'm gonna
1: posit what happened here, which is that there's a some weird people out there that looks that if you cut it open, it looks weird enough that people are like, that looks like a cucumber on the inside. And then somebody made a TikTok and they were like, did well, they just <laughs> lied about it? They were just like, that's that's what happens if you cross a cucumber and
3: a cantaloupe. Yeah, It's
1: a cantaloupe-yumber. And then
3: all of a sudden the CDC was saying that's what's... Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. that's how it happens. Adding it to their cool as a cucumber fact list.
1: Put it on your fingers. If you want to ask the Science Couch your questions, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShowTangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to Zangulo, uh, at Tighearnan, and everybody else who asked us your questions for this episode. Jackson, if people are as delighted by you as I am, where do they get more of your content?
3: (laughs) Well, thanks, Hank. (laughs) Uh, um, You can uh, tune into my daily podcast every weekday about cool and interesting things in the news called Cool Stuff Right Home. Uh, If anyone's going to be in New York City in in the... november ish time uh i'll be doing some experimental theater in the east village with the neo-futurists in uh the infinite yeah, so Ranch. Good. so if that's your kind of thing it, uh, is. <laughs> it is i actually no i uh i am in the neo-futurists now but i first saw them at nerdcon stories yeah. so thanks hank
2: cool <laughs>
3: thanks for my new job unintentionally years ago and uh, yeah you can follow me at jack is not a bird on youtube twitter all the all the internet places if you like this show and you want to help us out
1: super easy to do that you can find us on patreon at patreoncom scishowtangents. there you can become a patron you can get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes and other on um, normal things and we have a tier where you can get a special in episode shout out that's the tier that patron john pollock subscribed at thank you john second you can leave us a review wherever you listen if it allows you to leave a review some places don't but that's helpful it lets us know what you like about the show and it lets other people know what you like about the show and finally if you want to show your love for sci show tangents just
2: tell Talk people about, about us. us thank you for joining us i've been hank green i've been sari riley i've been sam schultz and I've been Jackson Bird.
1: SciShow Dungeons is created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz. Our editor is Seth Glixman. Our story editor is Alex Billow. Our social media organizer is Julia Buzz Bazaio. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Trucker Vardy. Our sound design is by Joseph Boona Menish. Our executive producers are Caitlin Hoffmeister and Hank Green. And we couldn't make any of this without our putrid patrons on Patreon. Thank you and remember, the mind is not a coffin to be filled but a jack-o'-lantern to
3: be lighted But one more thing. (laughs) Aardvarks are known for digging up termite mounds and anthills, but they've also been seen eating one specific plant, an odd species of cucumber that grows baseball-sized gourds around 20 to 30 centimeters underground in the sandy soil of southern Africa. The aardvarks dig up these cucumbers, eat the watery flesh, poop out the seeds in dung piles near their burrows, and then bury their poop. These cucumber seeds wouldn't germinate without them. So it's an extremely weird plant with an even weirder symbiotic relationship. You know, they did not cover this on Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: I would love to see that episode. We don't uh-huh. talk
3: enough about Arthur's poops.
2: Time for, <laughs> time for dinner, son. And then they go out in the backyard and start digging. Third, feet, feet underground. <laughs> <laughs>